Welcome back, you bunch of jack wagons, to another episode of the uh, weekly, never weekly jack wagon sports podcast from the Jack Wagon Sports Network. Um, I'm back, as you can tell, and we've I've come back with a bang. We just spent like 40 minutes trying to get this to even work. So we're here, and uh, I believe we're ready to talk about some sports together again. Uh, I believe so. Yes, sir. Um, first on the agenda this week is big news came that Baker Mayfield has been traded to the um, Carolina Panthers for a fifth round conditional pick that could end up being a fourth round pick. Um, I did see that it said something about the Panthers would pay $10 million of Baker's contract. Um, how much was he supposed to be paid? And like, what what's the length of his contract left? What, what's your guys' thoughts on that, George? Uh, I think it was fifty million total, and so the Browns are literally paying forty. I might be completely wrong with that. It, it might be less than that, but it's an absurd number that the Browns are still paying. <laughs> the Panthers are playing a small chunk. Um, I mean, I feel I'm happy for Baker. He finally got out of the situation he never deserved to be put in in the first place. Um, gave that city gave that franchise everything he had and they treated him like shit because he had a bad year last year and now my favorite part is everybody is making fun of baker still saying oh you know look at the the quarterback room in carolina you got baker you got darnold and then you have matt corral and it's like yeah i would rather have that qb room over a lot of these other qb rooms in the nfl over the qb room of jacoby Brissett. Exactly. I would rather have that over the fucking Bears QB room right now. Like, I no offense to Justin Fields, I think he's going to be good if we can continue to build around him. But fucking outside of that, it's a shit show. And so, but um, I think he is going to do really good things in a pretty open division down in Carolina. Um, now, granted, you still have Tom Brady and you know with the Buccaneers, but that is not you know the the powerhouse team they were two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, they showed a lot of issues last year. They struggled to win that division. I think the Saints are going to be back this year. And not saying, you know, number one seed contenders, but definitely, if not for the division, could definitely be a wild card contender. And I think the Panthers have now just slid into that conversation to be a wild card with Baker Mayfield in the backfield um, because they have a great wide receiving core. If they can keep McCaffrey healthy, he is the best running back in the league when he's healthy. Um, but outside of that, I, I, I think Carolina got a steal out of this a conditional fourth round, fifth round pick for a first round QB that is a proven winner has taken the Browns to the playoffs. Like it, it's one thing when like you, you see a guy go to the Browns and he struggles, whatever it's yes, he had his struggles there, but he still took them to the playoffs and won them a playoff game. And now he is, he's going to a team that's overall much better. Nick, what's your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, um, I think that, <laughs> I, I think that uh, my question is: so they play week one. Do you think that there's a chance that Baker gets the starting spot over Sam Darnold? Absolutely. I, I now that this you, is Baker's job, uh, yeah, he's missed OTAs and stuff. Darnold has a year in this offense already that might be the only reservation but and this is i i think darnold has superstar potential in him um he just hasn't found anybody to cultivate that yet baker doesn't really need that cultivated he just needs somebody to believe in him 
that, that was his biggest thing. Um, when he was backed in uh, Cleveland and he was healthy, he was arguably one of the best QBs, definitely in that division, if not the entire AFC. Um, I don't want to go as far as to say the whole NFL, but um, I think overall, <laughs> I think he, he is a better solution. He gives you a better opportunity to go out there and win. Um, they had a really good defense to start the year last year. Then they got a bunch of injuries. Uh, same on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but, I mean, it's going to come down to summer camp. I think Baker is going out there with a chip on her shoulder. I think Baker, I don't give a shit what um, Matt Rule says. Baker Mayfield, it says, I'm starting week one against the Browns, and I'm going to show them what they miss. And I, that is here in Carolina. And I, I was looking at tickets today. I was like, I don't even care about either team. I just want to go watch this happen. I think it's, that's going to be one, a game to remember. Yeah, it's 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 crazy that this has happened and they play week one. It's also funny that last season or mid mid off season here when uh when there was all the problems with Deshaun Watson and then he had gotten picked up by the Browns. Yeah. Um, there was I forget what his name is, but he plays for the Panthers and when they had asked Robbie Anderson, loca- yeah, possible locations for him, and he was like, no, and now he's there. Like, can you imagine? But can you just imagine? Uh, like, I don't know, one of the assistant coaches or the position coach walks in and is like, hey, you know you're going to need to apologize to him when he gets on the fucking private yeah. jet. If, if, if I'm the Panthers, I fucking trade Robbie Anderson. He is a B-tier at best wide receiver. Um, yeah, he's made some pretty spectacular plays, but he, he's literally good for one good play a game, and that's it. Um, he, he's not the second coming of Jesus. He is not – DJ Moore – is the wide receiver for that offense. If this offense wants to click, DJ Moore and Baker Mayfield need to be best friends, and I don't think that'll be a problem. Uh, Robbie Anderson is a fucking nobody, and his opinion being the one that's voiced as if it's the locker room opinion is a joke. Um, Because, as we said, Baker Mayfield is really, really good. Um, And, like, I I think that team overall just got a ton better, and it should be interesting. Real quick. Do you just want to continue doing this? He's, oh, he's here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah. That's great. Great. He's I back. Was, I was waiting for it to show. Um, okay. So, Nick. Yes. Thoughts on Baker Mayfield yeah. going to the to the Panthers. Um, they're going to pick up only $10 million, like basically 20% of his contract. Um, he's going to be there. We just said that Robbie Anderson, who plays for the Panthers, had strongly uh, voiced his displeasure with the possibility of Baker coming there earlier in the offseason. What are your thoughts on this big trade? Yeah, um, first of all, the bag of chips for Baker that um, the Browns got is just hilarious, uh, adding on to their already terrible offseason, just in the quarterback room alone. Um, As far as, you know, the comments about Baker going to Carolina, I don't really understand how, you know, you can see that as a downgrade from what you already have. you know, I, I still have a, a little hope for Darnold, not a whole lot, but a little hope um, if he got the right coach in front of him. But um, nonetheless, he hasn't proven anything to anybody that, you know, should make them feel comfortable that he's their quarterback. Um, and, I, you know, I love Baker. Um, you know, last season obviously didn't look good for him, but I think there was a whole lot going on. Um, I think that was an example of the Browns being the Browns because um, nobody on that team lived up to – what they were supposed to do last season. So um, 
all that being said, happy for Baker. Uh, glad he gets a, a new chance somewhere. Um, you know, he's he's got some talent around him. I think there could be a little more, uh, especially with McCaffrey being injured all the time. But nonetheless, um, a fresh start does wonders for people, whether he's got the talent around him or not. And, you know, we've seen what he's willing to he was willing to do for uh, Cleveland. I'm sure I can say 100 percent without a doubt that he's willing to do that for Carolina at this point. Right. Um, do you guys have any more on the Baker Mayfield drama and um, trade before we move into golf? Uh, I'm just really excited to see week one. I, I mean, I already said it, but I am excited for week one now. Um, I mean, more than I already was. Like, I'm, I'm excited for football to come back, but week one NFL. I'm to give the, uh, the pelvic thrust to the, yeah. <laughs> to the Browns. Actually, I think I'm more excited for him to do his welcome press conference or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just see, I want to see if he's classy about it or if he just throws a ton of shade at them, which I think he'll – yeah, I to think be honest, I think this is best, best case scenario for him because it's still not known whether Deshaun's going to be able to start the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think it's the NFL still it's investigating. Not known, there's, still, yeah. there's still a possibility that he could be suspended for eight games, you know, whatever the deal is. And uh, so if Baker would have still been the Browns, he'd have been their backup boy, basically. Like he wouldn't have had an opportunity to start yeah. because they'd have, been, they'd have been just waiting for Deshaun to be able to start and then Deshaun's coming in. Um. This past weekend, we had talked last week about how the John Deere Classic has really had some great um, finishes um, over the past couple of years. We've gotten to see a lot of great names play really great. Uh, this past weekend was pretty similar to those. The only difference was um, it really there was there was a big difference in the scores after the first and second day. Then after that, it kind of started to even out a little, but. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on the John Deere Classic this past weekend? And uh, as I look forward to um, where it's going to go from here, because it seemed like this past weekend they were able to at least separate from continuing to talk about the feud with Live Golf. Nick, I'll let you go first before your All right. computer cuts out again. Um, yeah, true. As far as uh, – you brought up a good point with the leaderboard. Um, I didn't get to watch any golf this weekend. It was kind of upsetting. Um, but I was busy having a good time. So whatever. Uh, nonetheless, um, I did pay attention to the leaderboard. Um, I had made some sort of like self picks, the people that I wanted to watch out for, um, especially with the upper echelon of talent not being there. Um, the three guys that I was watching for didn't do good. Two of them, well, one of them top 20, but the other two missed the cut. But Nonetheless, um, paying attention to that leaderboard, huge scores, you know, Thursday and Friday. And then the weekend came and I was like, what the hell happened? But um, nonetheless, it looked entertaining on the leaderboard. I'm sure it was just as fun to watch. Um, I love me a good John Deere tracker, so <laughs> can't go wrong with that. But unfortunately, I don't have too much more to add. Nick, real quick, just because we're talking about the PGA, what are your thoughts on this, uh, the next tournament coming up, which is the the open um the scottish open uh yeah so um this is a course made for drivers uh so i'm keeping an eye on you know say john rom uh especially after you know his we'll call it stronger performance than he's had um a lot of times this year uh rory you know two of the best drivers in the game um some i like uh you know obviously some people can drive decent not quite as far but 
you know, they got good iron play. So I'm watching out for like Justin Thomas or like Will Zalatoris, you know, somebody who's good at striking the ball. Um, obviously, we can't forget about Xander Shockway. He has been pretty hot uh, recently. Um, obviously, the win at the Travelers, and then I believe he did well at the Pro Am too. Um, and just kind of a somebody that we don't necessarily talk about a whole lot, but Tommy Fleetwood, uh, he's put some good runs together, you know, trying to, looking at trying to get um, his name back up to the top. So this could definitely be uh, a weekend to watch out for for him. Yeah, so George, what are your thoughts on the John Deere Classic this last weekend, JT Post and getting it done? Um, and thoughts on, like Nick had said, this upcoming weekend does have the upper echelon of players. You got Scotty Scheffler, Spade. Xander Shoffley, Zalatoris, Max Homa, a lot of big-name guys. Tiger's out there, barring any uh, late-minute uh, no, withdrawals. Oh, no? No. Where, he, where is he practicing? He's only playing the Open next weekend. Oh, okay, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, um, so what are your thoughts on this past weekend and this upcoming? Uh, this past weekend, um, and I, I said it last week on the podcast, the John Deere Classic always seems to be where – Somebody gets a big breakthrough win. Um, granted, the field wasn't super stacked or anything of like this. We saw a lot of great storylines. Um, but this is uh, Poston's second career win. Um, he has played really well at times this year, uh, just has never been able to put together, whether it be because of the field ahead of him or his, his own miscues, whatever it may be. Um, at the end of the day, when you win a PGA event, that is something that is – Nobody can take from you at that point. And, and it gives you an air of confidence, like, no matter what the field is like. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can take this and continue and do like so many others that we've seen before, take this win and, and ride it to you know, get his name up there higher on the leaderboard and, and so on and start competing for more wins with a, a bigger field, you know, majors, whatever it may be. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't, you know, like a, a really close, he, he led wire to wire. Um, and I think the last day he was up by three shots, you know, on 18. So it's not like he was super pressured or anything, but it's, like I said, it, it feels good when you win a PJ event and you win it pretty handily. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this upcoming weekend, um, it's really cool that the, the PGA and the DP world tour have, have done this, you know, combination thing, because a lot of the guys would go play this event, but. You know, they, they weren't getting FedEx Cup points, you know, they, anything like that. Um, now with, you know, the, the merger, per se, uh, between the two tours, um, DP guys can go over and play the Barbersall Championship this weekend if they want to and, and things like that. Um, and so a lot of these guys are excited to go over there and be able to compete in this tournament. Um, this is basically – Rory did it this every year. He didn't give a shit about the FedEx Cup points. Um, but he, so I'm really looking the homelands. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to him having a, a great weekend there, as he always seems to do. Um, you know, like we said, it's basically in his his home. Um, but a lot of these guys are going to get a taste. I mean, the weather there is horrible. That it's 49 mile an hour winds. I just watched a video of JT trying to putt, and he whacked it as hard as he could, and the wind like blew it like backwards and landed like five feet from him. Um, so a lot of these guys are excited because they get to go there now and and play in these conditions a week early and really get themselves ready for the open championship next weekend. That's going to be on a pretty similar course. Um, you know, they love their links golf over there in England. Um, but I am just excited. I think it's, it's going to be a great overall tournament. Um, 
and a great preview for the next weekend. Yeah, agreed. This past weekend, uh, it very handedly went by uh, JT Poston. I mean, he shot a 62 on Thursday, and then he followed up with a 65. Only one person shot better than him on Friday, and that was Grillo. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, I mean, Saturday, he he hit a 67. Sunday, he closed it out with a 69 for, like you guys had said, I think he won by three. Um, that was an easy 1.3 million for him. Um, George has fireworks going off in his house. It's thunder. Um, <laughs> oh, the fucking dog's going to start barking. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I was mistaken. I was thinking that the Open was this weekend, but uh, I'm really excited for this weekend. Also, I think that I don't know if he's playing in it this weekend, but Shane Lowry is someone that I think that could do really good this weekend. Um, I'd but, be surprised if he doesn't play this weekend. Yeah, he's he's already over there because one, he's yeah. getting ready for the Open, but two, he just played the Irish Open this past weekend. He did the right. Pro Am Monday and Tuesday, so I yeah, I would sh- think he put a month in there. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, so I think he's someone that could really be like kind of, um a dark horse in, in terms of he's not someone that someone would expect to win when you have someone like uh, Roy McRoy, uh, Nick had said about Tommy Fleetwood, you got Jordan Spieth, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Sandra Shoffley, all these guys. Um, so I'm excited to see that, and, and I'll actually get the chance to watch it this weekend, so that'll be exciting. Yeah. This past weekend, uh, there was the Live Golf Tournament. We had the recap. Uh, we'll start with you, George. What were your thoughts on on Live this past weekend? Uh, overall, they had a lot better turnout in person. Uh, I think. Do you think that they were paying people to be there at the course? (laughs) Not necessarily paying, but they were giving away a shit ton of free tickets. Um, (laughs) but overall, they did have a pretty decent crowd, especially uh, on you know towards the end of the tournament. The last, well, I want to say last couple days. That's only three days, but um, last couple holes. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but um, over like it's it's good to see the turnout improve because if they would have had the same turnout that they had when it was in in London, that would have been very very scary. Um, but uh, overall, and this was in Portland, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, nothing was really you know surprising. Phil still sucks. Um, but the the biggest yeah. thing I took away from the weekend was Taylor Gooch's stupid fucking comment. Um, and I don't know if you guys heard this, they were interviewing him and he was standing there and, uh, he's in front of the crowd or whatever. And he's like, you know, I've never played in a Ryder cup or president's cup, but I gotta, you know, this, this crowd is feels it's, it's gotta be pretty much the same. And Dustin Johnson had to walk away cause he was laughing so fucking hard. I bet. But oh and just the people shredding this dude apart on online yeah. was hysterical. They're sharing videos of when they were a fucking practice round was yeah. packed and they're doing the skull chant in the fucking stands and somebody comes oh is this really what it was like there with the fucking 50 people or whatever and the granted there was more people there than that but yeah i, I think just, in terms of of fans you would like rank that. it like uh i'd rank it uh, like a uh, usfl uh, game if well i'm just saying in terms of like golf fans you would rank like the top would be like a sunday where tigers in contention to win yeah Number two would be a Ryder Cup. Number three would be like the regular PGA tournaments. And then yeah. number four would be like high school golf team. Number five would be the Live Tour. Yeah. But like, I mean, I feel like overall, like both the John Deere Classic and the 
granted, I think John Deere probably had more fans overall, but probably similar atmospheres. Like the people who went to the John Deere Classic are probably golf casuals who were just trying to get into it. They're like, hey, let's go to an event. Let's see what it's like. You know, they're not standing there like standing up and just screaming their heads off and like every shot, like you do at a Ryder Cup, no matter who's hitting the ball, whether it's Tiger, whether yeah. it's last year when Scotty Sheffer got in, everybody's like, what the fuck is that guy doing here? Um, just, and just completely dumb. Like, and I, I get that you're trying to build some hype behind this, but just say like, Hey, you know, the crowd this weekend was amazing. You know, we love the energy. Let's, let's continue to grow it. You know, let's, let's get it up there. And, you know, let's, let's compete with some of these big tournaments. And I, I get, they can't come right out and say that because you're trying to make it, but you can't go out there and say, Oh, you know, this is, this is just like I'm playing at the Ryder cup, even though I've never been there. Like just, yeah. it's the dumbest thing you could possibly say. Cause now everybody's like, Oh, well, okay. Well, that's just fucking stupid. So now you, you probably piss more people off right. um, wanting to go see it. than you know, you, you would have brought in by saying something like that. Yeah. Um, Nick, I know you said you didn't get to watch much golf this weekend, but um, anything that stuck out social media wise that that you or anything that George had said that you feel like you want to comment on for the Live Golf Tour? Um, I actually surprisingly haven't seen a whole lot about it, um, which was definitely weird. But I've also been hella busy, so I do not have with a baby any other comments about it. Oh yeah. Um. I, I oh, you wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen. Wrap it up. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you were saying like we're wrapping the show. I ain't like, talking about the wow, show. That's the quickest fucking show ever. Like, God, um, we just fought this hard to get here. Yeah. Um, I think the funniest thing I saw was the memes about how uh the Saudi people are gonna start paying Phil for. They're only gonna pay him a million dollars for every round he can shoot under par. <laughs> oh yeah, I did see that. That was. <laughs> Um, it's their way of saving $190 million, they said. Um, but the, the, the last thing I want to say about Live Golf is they've so they've signed all these other people on, especially recently. You got know, Matthew Wolf, Kepka, and all these cutting other guys. people, yeah. And it's, it's not something you want to do. It's they're cutting people that they signed, I don't want to say massive contracts to, but the one guy they cut had like a six million dollar contract, and now you right, and, cut him. And, and we don't know the contracts to know if right. these lower paying guys, if it was guaranteed money or if right. it's, if you show up to all eight uh, or all seven um, tournaments, you get this amount of money, you know, like basically like it's split up into seven paychecks. Yeah. It, it hasn't come out like that. I'm sure people like Brooks, Phil, um, some of these big name people, they got their money up front. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I, I find it very uh, idiotic as well that, that they're cutting people that they're paying somewhere between five and ten million dollars just for the season to play, you know. Yeah. Um. We have the Scottish Open preview for this upcoming weekend. We we talked about it a little bit already. Um. This past week here, earlier in the week, they played the pro am, and uh, Xander Shoffley won that. Uh, the two things to take away was that Xander won, and Tiger shot, I think, two over par. He was seven uh, over par. Seven. Yeah, he shot two oh, over the second day. He uh, tied Matt Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick just won the U.S. Open. He just tied Tiger Woods. Yeah, but Fitz- pro pro amps are so down. fucking stupid. I no, correct, I don't. Correct, correct. I don't take. I take them with a grain of salt. Like, granted, they're not stupid. They help charities. They but help. In terms, but, but in terms of picking my fantasy team, it matters to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit about your fantasy team. You take Tiger. Take him. He's not playing this week. For, ne- <laughs> for next week. Yeah, he gets another week of rest, and he'll be good to go. 
Yeah, oh, that worked God. out so well for the last time. George about to go over three draft hey. Tiger in the fantasy draft. Over three. He made the cut both times. I got more points in the guys I drafted. They yeah, didn't he make made, the fucking cut. Yeah, he that's he true. made the cut and then and then bowed out. Yeah. Hey, that's a point. Hey, I'll take I'll take that one point over fucking zero. Yeah, it helped you. You're beating me. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. It says more about my team than it does George's. He picked Tiger twice and it still beat me. Um, you know what? I'm taking him a fucking third time. <laughs> Why not? Well, don't you have I, to? Uh, by the way, I'm not beating you. You're beating me. Oh, I thought that you got. I thought that you were winning in golf. I thought no, Nick. Nick I thought I was in third. No, yeah, Nick's whooping her ass. He's 182. You have one. You were super close. Yeah, you're up by five. Um, the the last tournament that we did, that really fucked me. So right. Scottish Open, Nick, who do you think is your top dog for this tournament? Got to pick one person. You got to put fifty bucks on him. Who are you picking? Top dog, fifty bucks. Listen, mm. you can go the long shot like the plus two thousand, plus five thousand, plus ten thousand odds, or you could go the easy Scotty Scheffler at like plus two thirty. <laughs> God, Tommy Fleetwood's odds got to be great right now. I'll check it out. Who, who other than Tommy Fleetwood do you think uh, has a good chance at placing at least top five this week? Oh, at least top five. That's so easy. Um, I'm gonna have to go with my boy. I'm gonna have to go with Thomas. Um, not just because he's my boy. He has a thing for doing well the week before majors. Um, I, and due to the fact that he did struggle a little bit, I believe his last two tournaments that he entered, um, I think we'll have uh, a nice comeback this weekend to hopefully set him up with some confidence for next weekend. Uh, and if I remember correctly, I believe he has two top 10 finishes in his last two uh, runs here. So going Justin Thomas. Uh, I'm taking Rory. Rory. He's not, I'm t- like, it was between him and, because obviously I want to bet Thomas, especially because every time I, I think he's going to do good, he usually does. But So I don't know if Rory's playing because he's not on the odds. Um. John Rahm is plus eleven hundred. Scotty Scheffler's plus twelve hundred, same as Justin Thomas. Fitzpatrick is plus sixteen hundred. Xander is plus eighteen hundred. Cantley, Burns, and Zalatoris are plus twenty two hundred. Morikawa, Smith, and Matsuyama are twenty nine hundred. Spath, Spieth is three thousand. Hovland, Fleetwood, and Neiman are at plus four thousand. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if uh, Rory's playing this weekend. I don't know. Okay, I whatever. Then I'll take Billy Horschel. I don't give a shit. Like Ricky that. Fowler at plus ten thousand. George, are we going right, for it? I'm not. Spieth at plus three thousand doesn't sound bad. No, it doesn't. Uh Fleetwood plus thirty seven hundred. Um. So Nick, what did you yeah, say your your playing. pick is for this week? I said Thomas. Okay, so you're going with Justin Thomas, who is at plus twelve hundred. George, what are your thoughts? Uh, Scottish Open. Who's your top dog if you're driving to Virginia and putting 50 on him? Uh, fucking Billy Horschel. I don't know. Nick, a $50 bet on Justin Thomas bringing 600 bucks. You said Billy Horschel? Gotta be like plus five. 
plus five thousand. Plus five thousand. <laughs> Fifty dollar bet brings in twenty five hundred. There we go. Um, is what's his name not playing? Uh, so I I would have liked to have picked. That's what this um, important case we're wondering. So Mark Leishman's on there at plus ten thousand. Um, I think he could do do good, but I don't know. I think I'm gonna go with uh, Will Zalatoris. Uh, do you guys think that this past weekend, um, Tiger having one rough day, do you think that shows any light as to that he isn't recovering well, or do you think that that just shows that he just had a bad day? I mean, I think it's, I don't think he's a hundred percent yet, but I also think, uh, I mean, it's not ideal conditions and it's also like, I said, it's a program. He probably wasn't trying to play his absolute heart out, um, I don't know. Like I said, I take Perams with a grain of salt. It was 50 people. Uh, Jordan Spieth got disqualified. Uh, I forget what the stupid reason behind that was, but uh, yeah. Good from a fucking charity event. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> be like that. Um, so moving into something a little bit uh, more uh, up pace for the both of you, especially talking about Nick's t-shirt right now. We're going to move into racing. This past weekend was electrifying, to say the least, when it comes to racing as a whole. Um, we had Sparks Fly in the F1 Thriller and uh, Andretti Fireworks in IndyCar. We'll start with those two. What were your thoughts on that, George? Uh, the F1 race, uh, first of all, horrifying wreck to watch. Um, shout out to F1 for developing the Halo. I mean, it can't be said enough. I think it's saved, guaranteed, at least four lives now. Um, but it's, it's never good to see a car go upside down, let alone an F1 car with an open cockpit, especially when it slides on its roof for damn near a football field, if not longer. Um, but glad to see he's okay. Um, but the rest of the race was fantastic to watch. Um, again, as a Ferrari fan, how they fuck up a guaranteed one, two finish blows my mind how they screw over the guy who's number two in the championship standings, who needs desperately to try and close the gap to first place after having a rough last month racing, if not more, um, blows my mind. Um, just made absolutely no sense. And it's going to come back to bite them in the ass at the end of the season, I can already tell you now. Um, but Hamilton's pass on Leclerc and – I want to say it was Verstappen. Um, was it? I can't remember anymore. Uh, that was one of the best racing moves I've seen. Um, watching the crowd go nuts was was awesome to see. Uh, overall, F1 race was a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, the IndyCar race, a little bit more boring. Um, Mid-Ohio is, is not a boring track, but um, it's definitely a long, grueling day there. Um, we have a lot of drama building with the championship now, uh, with McLaughlin getting another win. Um, and, you know, you saw Newgarden, uh, Herda, Pato, you know, and Erickson at the top of the leaderboards and in, in the standings. Um, it's going to be an exciting race to the finish in that season. And then uh, with the Andretti drama, um, nobody likes Roman Grosjean. And, you know, Andretti's trying to get everybody to play nice, especially with Rossi leaving. And he, he was kind of in the middle of all this shit this weekend. 
Um, Rossi doesn't give a shit. And it's very evident that Herda really doesn't get along with Grosjean. Uh, you know, they can put a smile on for the camera and say, oh, you know, everything's great. You know, just things got a little heat in the cockpit and stuff. This is not the first incident. I don't think it'll be the last. I don't care what, you know, Michael comes out and says in the media and all this other stuff. Um, definitely a fractured team over there. Nick, what were your thoughts on uh, the F1 and IndyCar race this weekend? Uh, yeah, so as far as Formula 1 goes, the only part of the race that I got to see was that wreck. Um, I'm just glad that everyone was able to make it out alive. Uh, that was definitely scary to watch. And and I've, I've seen some scary wrecks. Like, that was, <laughs> that was definitely... Um, I was worried as I was watching the video. But nonetheless... Um, the IndyCar race, I did get to watch a decent amount of that. Um, there was some, like, it was, I, I, I do agree with George, it was more on the boring side, but there was still some quality racing going on. Um, as far as the whole Andretti thing goes, um, you know, Herta wants to win, and uh, I don't know if he feels like Grosjean's getting in the middle of that or, or getting in the way of that, I should say, or whatnot. Um, but there's definitely some bad blood there. Like George said, uh, Rossi's leaving. So, you know, something needs to be done. Um, you know, I, I think that one, it's a good situation for Rossi to get out. Um, you know, especially with the way things look right now, uh, if they're not careful, they might lose Herta, And that's the one person remaining that they do not want to lose. Um, you know, it's, I think people underestimate how much of a team sport that racing can actually be, especially when you have multiple cars on the track. And we've seen it numerous times, um, not necessarily this year, but, you know, teammates getting a little greedy, getting a little whatever, maybe forget that, that you know, that's their teammate beside them. And next thing you know, they either end up screwing themselves or screwing their teammates. So, uh, you know, it, I don't know what Andretti's going to do, but something definitely needs to be done before, you know, that team um, falls very far because they're a team that's been on top of that sport. And, you know, you definitely don't want to see um, that kind of get reversed or whatever and see them, you know, fall down. Yeah, so I think that it, it was – I, I in, in terms of uh, social media following and everything like that, it seems like this has been probably the second largest weekend since uh, behind, I should say, the Indy 500 weekend mm -hmm. in terms of racing as a whole. Um, I think that moving into our next two parts of NASCAR, uh, we had in the Xfinity series, Noah Gregson, he got a little irritated and hooked, uh, Hooked one of the other drivers, sending him into the wall, and it, it basically took out three quarters of the field in that one accident. Um, also, we had Tyler Reddick pass Chase Elliott, the um, road course king of the past couple years, uh, to get his first win as a Cup Series driver. What were your guys' thoughts on Grayson's or uh, Gregson's um, his move, and what he got fined? $35,000 and like 30 team and owner points or driver points or something like that. Um, What are your guys' thoughts on the wreck, the uh, consequences, and also Reddick getting his first win, uh, a quality win against a uh, really good road course driver in uh, Mr. Chase Elliott? Nick, what are your thoughts? 
I was gonna go first anyway. Fuck George. Um, George but... was getting ready to talk, and this so I was like, Nick, you yeah, go first. <laughs> um, I mean there's a certain point like sure it's fun as hell to you know play a nascar game and play do george and turn around and wreck the whole field but like he's known for that yeah he is (laughs) you're you know you're you're on tv or whatever you're getting paid money for this um it careless stupid i don't really have a whole lot else to say about it to be honest with you um shouldn't have been done uh as far as reddit goes um, I've kind of been a, a, on the on the bandwagon a little bit um, throughout this season, and I've been cheering him on. So it is good to finally see him, um, you know, get a win. He's had a good season. You know, he's kind of topped that off. Maybe can gain some momentum here. Um, are you laughing because I said top off? No, I'm laughing because Slate just oh. now responded to the text. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, hopefully he can build with that and uh, – you know, continue as the season goes on and as his career goes on. George, what are your thoughts? Um, as far as the wreck goes, it's it's a bush league move. Like if, if you want to wreck somebody, that's one thing. Do it, dump him going into the corner. Um, I understand he was upset with how Sage was racing him, and that can get under your skin. I, I understand. You can't, first of all, if you're gonna wreck somebody, wreck them. You can't wreck yourself. Second of all, you need to, to be aware of your surroundings. If you want to be a cup driver, cup teams are going to look at this and go, we like you. You're really good. But if you're willing to take out the whole field to get a victory, and that includes your teammates are going to be involved in that wreck and, and all these other the parts of that, that's not somebody we want. Um, you, you got to learn to keep a level head. Like I said, if you wanted to dump him going into a turn, get behind him. When he hits the brakes, don't. And just run him off the corner, and then you go about your day, whatever. Um, you know, he tore up a lot of really good race cars. You know, a lot of guys that were involved in that wreck were working their way back up through the field, had a chance to go up there and battle for a win, maybe. Um, just not, nothing you want to see. And I, I'm a Gregson fan. I really want to see him succeed. And there's no defending what he did. Um, go over to NASC or the Cup Series. Uh, we, we've said it for weeks, ever since the California race, uh, Reddick's time was coming. Uh, you know, he is proven that he is one of the best drivers in NASCAR. He is far out driving his equipment in RCR cars. Um, and it was really good to see him finally break through. And I'm excited to see where it goes from there. And I think, I mean, with how close he's been and the heartbreak he's gone through, you think back to the Bristol dirt race, he got wrecked in the last corner. Um, you know, I, I think this is just going to start a landslide of victories that are on the way. Yeah, I, I two things. I, I mean, it's great for Reddick. He he really deserved this win. He really fought hard for it. Um, Gregson's um team owner Dale Earnhardt Jr. had said that basically his comments on the situation are that Gregson needs to take that out of his uh, portfolio of moves. Um, that that should not be anything that he ever tries to do again. Um, second thing is that the Xfinity series. It's it's just shitty that something like that happens because. Uh, the Xfinity Series is a lot different from the Cup Series. The Xfinity Series, there's a lot of teams that it's like families running these teams. Yeah, and a lot of teams so, are struggling so to make it from week they, to week. They might have like two, three full cars for the entire season that they're right. they're changing the entire setups for. Um, and 
he might have just caused them to wreck one of their three fucking cars. Like, mm-hmm. there's people uh, pulling out second mortgages on their house. There's they're maxing out credit cards just for this for their kid to get this to this level to try and get to that Cup Series level. Um, so I think that that's the the uh, hardest part for when it comes to that. I mean, I think that it it's been coming for a while, but it seems as if he's the Kyle Busch of the Xfinity series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he just wears his heart on his sleeve, basically. Um, and, and so I don't think that we're going to see an end to um, actions like this anytime soon from him. Uh, moving into what's been basically the, the most important thing in the news it is surpassed golf. It has surpassed racing. Everyone is talking about it the last couple days now. College football. We had said that we wanted to wait a couple of weeks to start talking about it. I think George had a timer of, I mean, it would be two more podcasts until we would start talking about it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's we just we're unable to wait. We would be so far behind everybody. Uh, it it came out um this past weekend that I think it was Friday or something like that. Uh, USC and UCLA are making their surprise move um to the Big Ten. Uh, they are going to be in the Big Ten West, I believe. Uh, well, USC is. Um, I don't know about UCLA, but. Yeah, so they are the first to jump conferences. We already – I'm sorry, they're the second. We had, what, Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC. Mm-hmm. But this was the big surprise. Um, We thought that Lincoln Riley was going to USC in hopes of kind of being able to be the powerhouse team in a, in a weak conference, knowing that uh, Oklahoma was going to the SEC. And in a surprise move, they they moved to the Big Ten. I mean, they're going to have to deal with the likes of Ohio State. Um, they're going to have to deal with Penn State, Michigan. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on that, George? And uh, what do you think uh, is is the next team that could possibly leave the Pac-12? Um, as far as both of them going to join the Big Ten, I think it's overall dumb. Um, and I understand why they're doing it and why the Big Ten's bringing them. Now they have just expanded not only their, their TV market, but uh, the recruiting reach is now reaching California and all these other Western states. Um, is you know Penn State is going to be able to go fly out to you know LA and be like, hey, come play for us and, and all this other stuff. Um, so it expands the recruiting reach. And I understand why the Big Ten did. And these are high-profile teams that have a lot of money behind them, and now they're in the Big Ten. Um, one, just logistically, it's going to be a fucking nightmare uh, for these teams to, to fly all over the place. Not um, just football. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about, you think about basketball. Um, right. Where you play two games a week, and so now you get to look at, like, Rutgers is going to end up playing USC on a Monday night, and I guarantee you they're going to have to play at home on, like, Thursday night. And it's just going to be absolutely horrible uh, to try and even be a part of that. At fucking um, midnight here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, back to USC and UCLA, um, especially USC, you know, you have a lot to prove. And granted, now you have two years to go out there and prove it because they're not leaving to 2024. Um, That'll be their first season. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you have time to write the ship. But if I'm Lincoln Riley and we have said it that he ran from the SEC, um, and I don't know if in his mind he thinks the big thinks the Big Ten is easier, but I can assure you it is not. Uh, USC is going to have to play Wisconsin in the middle of freaking November at 
you know, Camp Randall at some point. It's going to happen. They're, they're going to play in all these teams. You, you're not getting an easy schedule at all, even if you're in the Big Ten West, which is wide open every year, and you think you can go in there and cakewalk into the Big Ten championship game every year. Um, it, I just <laughs> I don't understand, you know, a lot of the, the thought behind it of thinking that this is better than playing in the SEC. Um, but I, I think we are on the way to – and. Like I said, it just doesn't make a lot of sense having these West Coast teams play an East Coast heavy conference. Um, but at the end of the, you know, we'll, we'll see how they make it work. It'll be very interesting to see. As far as who's going to join them, um, I still think Notre Dame is on the table. Um, I mean, there, there's been a lot of rumors of strings attached of if they come, they need to bring somebody or if somebody comes. Stanford was rumored. Yeah. Um, which I think Stanford's a fucking joke. It was, it was rumored that Stanford was only allowed to come if Notre Dame was a package. Yeah, well, I I don't know who would want Stanford in their conference. It's a fucking, <laughs> yeah. it's a waste of time. Um, I think Oregon is still very much on the table. Um, I mean, I know we talked about before we jumped on here about their governors trying to stop and all this other stuff. That's no, they they're trying to. They don't want to stop it. They want to. Well, they they want here. Oregon State to go with them, which is even dumber. Um. But, I mean, that'll most likely happen. But at the end of the day, first of all, the government should have no say in this. This isn't a government function. Um, I mean, I, I guess since it's a state school, you're supposed to get a say in it, but it, that shouldn't be that way. Um, but I think those are probably the two names that the Big Ten would be looking at if they wanted to add more. Uh, I was telling Nick, I think ACC teams are off the slate just because of, of – I was reading about how much – bullshit is going on behind the scenes there of, of everything they would have to fight through just to get out of the conference and how much money they would lose. Um, and, and that's just to get out of the conference. Then you need you know worry about all the other fees that you need to pay to get into a new conference. Um, it's just more of a headache than any ACC team wants to deal with right now. Um, but so I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Oregon are the two biggest names circled if I'm the Big Ten. Nick, what are your thoughts on USC and UCLA's big move? And uh, did you think that something like this was going to happen where the Pac-12 was going to turn into shambles possibly? Or or uh, did you think that this is a complete like uh, surprise altogether? Um, the first thing I'll say is I don't think the Pac-12 uh, falling into shambles is necessarily a huge surprise because, uh, let's be honest, they were only two teams away from that anyway. Um, as far as USC and UCLA go, um, I, I'm kind of on the same page with George as far as logistics. Um, you know, it, if I'm, if I'm one of the big 10 schools, it's easier for it to make sense to me. But if I'm USC or UCLA and I'm thinking, man, I gotta, you know, I gotta go to the big house in the middle of the winter, or I gotta go to happy Valley in a whiteout, um, or OSU, any week of the season um there's so many or even like george said uh you know you, you think you're going into the wide open side of the conference and now you got to go to is it mckinnick stadium or kinnick stadium or kinnick yeah kinnick yeah i added a little bit there um to play iowa like that that doesn't sound appetizing to me and you know obviously yeah they're looking at money and um the big 10 is a a more uh established conference than the the Pac-12 but I don't know it, it and 
I get that you have the same thing backwards. Like, oh, now Penn State is has to fly out to California. Um, you know, especially like you said, not necessarily football, but say basketball. Um, you'd think that somehow they'd be smart enough to work it out. That you know, say, oh, well, we got to play at least two road games in California. Okay, well say it's football or just stay out there for a week in practice we've seen other schools do it or you know it's basketball stay in a hotel there's extra two nights in between or whatever so hopefully something like that comes out but um as as far as the entire situation i I get it i guess Um, you know money talks nowadays and this is the way we're heading i mean Um, as as, sorry as as far as usc and ucla it's, it's really good that UCLA plays their home games in the Rose Bowl and UCLA, USC will play them every other year there because it's the last time they're ever going to sip the fucking Rose Bowl. Um, but it, as far as the, the Pac-12 falling apart, it, it wasn't surprising because we saw how horrible the last president ran that conference. Um, the terrible media deals, um, absolute dumbassery that, that was the president. Um, it was just so surprising that they literally signed – the new president signed Wednesday and, you know, had his introductory press conference, all this other stuff. And then Thursday morning, this is the first thing that comes out. Like, what a great first day. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know who he is. I don't know what his, his business model is going to be and all this other stuff. But, I mean, that, that's got to be a rude awakening. It, and it just hurts from the start. You have no chance to redeem your, your, yourself or yeah. – um, you know, your conference at this point for something that wasn't your fault. That was already a, a fucked up situation that you literally walked into on day one. Um, so, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they go and, you know, who, who they can bring in and sign and all this other stuff. But so. I, I think that the craziest part of this is that this isn't just going to affect football. Like, uh, my first thought is from a wrestling perspective, Jordan Burroughs, which is one of the greatest wrestlers in the United States, he tweeted out to USC and is like, yo, you need a wrestling coach. Like, you, uh, no, none of these Pac-12 schools, for the most part, aside from, like, uh, Oregon State and um, Arizona State, they they don't have wrestling teams. They don't have a lot of these other sports because they could give a shit. Like, they, they just don't – they. Their focus is all did on Stanford the big get their, did they Stanford got it get the, They did. Okay. They got it back. Yeah, yeah. Because I know so that they, that kid went on to win the title, but he yeah, was like Shane Griffith. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if they if they decided to bring it back or not. So I mean, there's so many sports. I mean, uh, there's there's like, I mean, water polo, like just a random different a bunch of sports that are all going to be affected by this because, uh, are these schools going like and, and these schools could do more cuts on sports now because they're going to be paying to travel to the East Coast three quarters of the year, you know? Um, they might they might cut a lot of the sports aside from the top four major sports, you know? Um, it'll just be interesting to see what happens here and and to see if the Pac-12 decides to pick up like I don't know, do they try and go out and and poach some more or poach some of the Big 12 teams? Uh, I mean, I yeah, think where it's heading most likely is Utah State and Boise State are going to go join there. Uh, Utah State will have a, a rivalry off this jump with Utah. And Boise State and Oregon have already had rivalries. They've already slayed to play each other again in a couple of years. I think it's actually next year, I want to say. Um, but I think those are the two obvious ones that the Pac-12 wants to expand. Those are the two teams they need to bring in. Right. Um, 
But I want to give Nick a chance to defend himself. We, we put this in the group chat. And Saeed, we'll, we'll get your thoughts too because you didn't say anything. You just, you just sent the, 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 the picture. So the four teams that are heavily rumored right now to join are Oregon, Notre Dame, Washington, and Stanford. Of those four, which would you pick? I, and then we, we already know Nick's thoughts, and I want him to if, – if he wants to retract anything or if he wants to double down. But <laughs> Slate, if you want to give us your pick as to, as to who you want. So, so who, who would you rather have? Teams again? Who, oh, sorry, Oregon, sorry. Uh, Oregon, Notre Dame, Stanford, and Washington. So, so I think that in terms of who they've been trying to get for years would be Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of like who the three of us would like to see, I mean, I think that Oregon would be the obvious answer because it's just like how we had already talked about the Penguins and the Seattle Kraken already having a game scheduled for this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. It just is a great opportunity for 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 two teams that we all like, you know, to to be able to face off and, and to be able to see them both play. I mean, this is something that I don't know about you, George, but I never thought, aside from a bowl game, that we would see the possibility of Penn State and Oregon playing or the possibility of Penn State and Notre Dame playing, you know, God, like, do you imagine this fucking podcast the week that those two teams play each other? Oh right, my right. God. We were just going to fucking hate each and, other. And a side thought, I don't think, I think it'll be years until Penn State possibly plays USC in a whiteout. Yeah. Game. Yeah. No, I absolutely. think that, I think USC yeah. still is, has to rebuild. I mean, they have the transfer portal and stuff, but I think that they'll still pick, um, Noted, or they'll still pick Michigan and, and uh, Ohio State for those games. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. I mean, they're, also, they're USC gonna... is going to have to – USC could be undefeated five, six games in October and have to play a fucking five and three Purdue mm-hmm. who is known to upset one loss, two loss teams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, Nick, Nick, do you want to – do you want to agree with your statement from earlier or do you want to change anything? But you can go ahead and just, just say the whole thing again. I'm trying to remember. Okay, so I said obviously for Georgia nine sake, uh, well George Slade nine sake. Do, do you want me to quote it for you, just so you yes, have it? Yes, quote it for okay. me so I can hear it. Uh, so of the four teams, who would you pick? You said Oregon by a landslide. Uh, fuck Notre Dame. They deserve uh, deserve it. Still be independent and lose money. Stanford are bums, and we only said yes if they got Notre Dame to come with them. And Washington was dog shit, is dog shit, and will forever be dog shit. And I'll just say right now, I 100% agree with that last statement. Uh, fuck Washington and everything. Yeah, but about I like that Mike state. Leach. He's not there. Oh, where'd he go? He's at Mississippi State. He was never at uh, Washington. He was at Washington State. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. I yeah, like no, that guy. He, yeah, he's at Mississippi State. He's in the SEC now. Um, Stanford can go fuck themselves. Like I said earlier, nobody wants Stanford in their conference. Um, and plus, the Big Ten already has an academically limited school in Rutgers. Um, why they would want another one, I don't know. I do um, like the tree mascots when you're playing mascot NCAA, though. Yeah, that is very true. Um, <laughs> They're defeated. But that, that team has just been on a steady decline for years and years and years now. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. McCaffrey if, is, is the only name that I know to come out of there in the last year. Yeah. I mean, they've had big names. Oh, no, and they've no, had Andrew really Luck. Good teams. Andrew Luck. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, they've had big names and really good teams go through there. But just I don't – and you can't tell me it's a recruiting restrictions because they were able to go get guys like that to come play there. Um, just doesn't make sense why, you know, why they're not able to recruit the way they were other than their, their coach just sucks, which, um, but I can't say anything because they used the officials to beat us last year. Um, so the, the biggest bone I had to pick with Nick on this is when he brought up Notre Dame, 
and them fucking oh. losing money. And here's it, it's my my only problem with what he said was with Notre Dame losing money. And so I I pulled up facts to back up my argument with oh, this. Man. I I did At research. The receipts. I do. So Notre Dame alone makes fifteen million dollars from their TV deal. That is how much NBC pays them for the exclusive rights to air their their home games on NBC. Um, overall, the program makes about fifty four million dollars total. Now, yeah. Um, now, it didn't say whether that was their twenty twenty number or just like their average yearly number. That's pre paying Brian Kelly at the time and their players. This, this is just yeah. This is just okay. everything they bring in. Um, well, I mean, Ohio State brings in $106 million a year, but that's for all their sports. Right, right. Because right. They, they, I mean, with scholarships and everything, I know they're paying their athletes. I think it said like close to 100000 a year. Or maybe maybe it wasn't that high, but it was a, it's a ridiculous number. Yeah, they're offering a unison price to their right. NIL deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, that $106 million was every single sport. A large majority of that is basketball and football. But so $54 million for Notre Dame. Again, like I said, I don't know if that's just 2020 or if that was a couple years uh, average. The Big Ten, last year they paid their schools because Big Ten does revenue sharing. Um, so every football team gets paid X amount. The 12 like legacy teams is what they called them. So that's what your Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. Schools that have been in that conference since yeah. you know the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Made 40, $46.1 million last year Each in the year. revenue sharing. Yeah. Outside of now, granted, they probably all made a little bit of money on their own, but for the most part, they do revenue sharing. So Notre Dame was already more valuable than those teams last year. And then the SEC is 54.6 million is how much they paid each of their teams. So Notre Dame alone made what SEC teams made. Again, that's not including what the boosters are paying you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They also get paid to play these other teams. Correct. But, and then I, I brought this up in the group chat the one day. The ACC in a COVID year, wherever every other conference reported losses because no ticket sales, et cetera, the ACC went up $80 million in revenue because they brought Notre Dame in and Notre Dame brought that revenue in. So that is why Notre Dame is such a, and I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that I don't think Notre Dame shouldn't or should join the Big Ten. I just like point out when you're wrong. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame is a huge whale for any conference to bring in. Um, could you imagine, you know, the Big Ten bringing in that extra eighty million dollars um, a year? Uh, and Penn State will get, you know, a bigger kickback from the Big Ten, so on and so forth. That's why they brought in like a team like USC and UCLA because they're it's not an eighty million dollar bump, but it's a heck of a lot bigger, and these schools will get paid more. But Notre Dame is such a big fish. That's why the ACC is still trying to land them. The ACC will do anything. But I think Notre Dame would be a better fit in the Big Ten. But that, that money is, is why I think the Big Ten would be dumb to walk away. That's probably why they put the price tag on Stanford. Like, hey, if, if you want to come, you need to bring Notre Dame with you. And Notre Dame said, fuck you. I'm not joining because of you. Um, All right, I, Nick. What's, I, what's I, your, I do get, I do get what you're saying it? there. Um, I, I just want to say, I'm not necessarily, I wasn't saying that Notre Dame themselves were scrubs. Um, obviously, you know, that's a prestigious school, but you think about like, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you have season ticket holders, you know, would they rather spend an extra $300 a season on tickets, but instead of getting you to, you know, watching you play, say five scrubs, we'll just say five scrubs, five 
good teams. Mm-hmm. Now you have the Big Ten schedule, where you might only play two scrubs. Like that was more along the lines of no, what yeah. I was getting at. I think the but best thing I, Notre Dame. I'm glad do. that you brought the receipts, though. I'm real I glad that was. I, I think Big Ten also has scrubs. Like if you think about oh, just yeah. looking at Penn State, every State's conference schedule, does. I mean, yeah. you think there's each year it's usually Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, every once in a while, you get Illinois with Lovey Smith has a good season. But I mean, aside from that, the rest of the teams like Northwestern, like Penn State, doesn't usually play Wisconsin. Uh, so like, yeah, I mean, I think all of the conferences kind of have half scrubs, half like well, yeah. can actually contend. But but the big thing, like especially being in a conference, like Notre Dame's big selling point right now as to why they're staying independent and they can go to the, the college football playoff is they can say, hey. We play a really strong ACC schedule. Usually, like, we, we play Clemson, like, every three years, or we play Miami. We're not playing Clemson. We're playing Miami. If we're not playing either of them, we're playing Florida State. We're playing these big S- or ACC teams. And then, you know, we you stack on top of that. You know, we play USC every year. And they, they play these other big teams. Yeah, they throw in a couple scrubs, like a Toledo or, a, you know, a UMass or whatever it may be. Um, but they, they can go to the college football playoff and be like, look, we played this diversified portfolio, and, you know, we – we beat everybody, you know, we deserve a shot, whatever. Um, I think the biggest selling point, especially with USC going now, is Notre Dame can go back to the Big Ten, and they have Michigan back as a rival. They have Michigan State back as a rival. They'll have USC still as a rival. Um, they have – I don't think it's like a verified rivalry, but they always have, like, really good back-and-forth games with UCLA. And now with your independent games, your if they go in the Big Ten, I think they get three a year. Um, you can get Stanford, and you keep them on the schedule. Um, you can get your Boston College rivalry in, and you can either go get, like, a Miami or, like, a big name like that, or you can just say fuck it and take a week off like Penn State normally does and play, like, a Toledo or a UMass or something like that for your, your warm-up. St. Joseph Academy High School. Yeah. Um, Bishop Gorman. $1.2 million paid out to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think just the rivalry aspect of Notre Dame and bringing those big name, those trophy games back, the the megaphone game with um, Michigan State, the just bloodbath rivalry that uh, Notre Dame and Michigan have. Like I miss that game more than anything, and they they bring it back every couple of years and play twice, and then they just let it alone. Um, I would rather see that played every year than a lot of these ACC games. But I think that would be the biggest reason behind why Notre Dame should join. Outside of like you take money aside and everything. Um, that's that's why I believe Notre Dame should go more than anything. I I don't think that Notre Dame picks a conference at all at this time. I think they wait no, yeah, till all this yeah, settles no, out. Yeah, they keep. They I think keep they wait till there. all this settles yeah. out, and then if they actually at some point do want to go into a conference after everyone settles out, the Pac-12 is nothing. The Big Ten mm-hmm. is this massive conference. The SEC is this massive conference. The ACC is just how they are because of the fucked up contracts that they make the team sign. Um, I Basically think that, basketball powerhouse. Right, right. Yeah, for basketball. But in terms of football, yeah. um, they, they have tough contracts like George was saying earlier. For It makes it they, – they basically lock these people in so that this whole situation that's happening with the other schools right now mm-hmm. cannot happen to their schools. Yeah. Or those I, schools are going to go bankrupt doing it. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, I think Notre Dame sits there and because what Notre Dame is waiting to see right now is if if we go join the Big Ten and we pay X amount of dollars, whatever the entry fee is to the Big Ten, however much revenue they need to give up for 
X amount of years, the NCAA comes out in two years and says, hey, in three years, we're going to go through this super conference format. We're going to have four conferences, uh, and this is how it's going to shake down. We're going to get rid of the Big Ten, the, the, the labels. It's just going to be north, south, east, west, just to simplify it. Um, and now Notre Dame just paid all that money. That shit's gone. You, you're not getting it back, no matter if, if the conference dissolves, whatever it may be. Once you pay that money, it's going to be gone. So Notre Dame, I, I feel like, is just sitting there and just waiting because they see everything that's going on. They see where everything is headed. Let's not jump into anything. Let's just sit here and play the waiting game because time is on their side. At the end of the day, like I said, yeah. their, their money they're bringing in isn't going to go anywhere if, uh, until they decide there, to join a conference. There is a way that this could backfire on them, though. This could backfire in that these are there are these these three like mega conferences, mm-hmm. and and now they don't need to pick up Notre Dame oh, yeah. for a season game. Yeah. So then Notre Dame's at the point where in three four years they don't have any contracts to play these teams anymore mm-hmm. because that's about how far out they usually they usually go yeah. anywhere from four to six years out. Um, at that point, they could be stuck in a situation as to where uh, Georgia or like you said Clemson or whoever Michigan doesn't want doesn't need to pick them up because right. the USC is this massive USC is now rebuilt and is a massive powerhouse or right. uh Texas is rebuilt and is a massive powerhouse in the SEC like they're they're uh yeah I think that that's <laughs> yeah, the only I'm, way that... <laughs> let's pop the brakes there okay <laughs> well that's like six seven years after Sarkeesian stuff but uh oh, okay. but yeah so I, I think that <laughs> Texas is gonna keep fucking resigning them I don't give a shit they're never gonna be good He's he's gonna be there as long as Arch Manning's there. He I signed agree. the last two number one quarterbacks. I'm just saying he he will yeah he will he'll be there for a while, but they'll never be yeah. good. So that's something I also don't understand. Is did you guys see that it's like Drew Drew Eller or something like that? He was the number one quarterback last year, mm-hmm. and he signed to Texas, and now Arch Manning signed to Texas this year. Yeah. Like well, uh, so what, no, what's the so plan he was, there? He was the number one quarterback. The the Quinn guy. He was the number one quarterback two yeah, years Quinn. ago. He went to Ohio State for a year. Right, and now right, he right, transferred right. to Texas. So technically he's well, he registered last year. So he still has he's four still years. Full, yeah, he's yeah. Full. He's not playing there for four years. He's gonna play no, no, two no. years. Yeah, he's gonna play two years and go. Archie Manning still has to go back to high school this year. So he's not gonna get there for another year. And then that year he's gonna redshirt. He's gonna sit behind Quinn. He's gonna learn. And then I, after I think Quinn, he's gonna do the I think he's gonna do the early enrollment. Still, even then, he's he's gonna sit for a year behind Quinn. Right, right, right. Quinn's gonna so go to the NFL. The and year, then, uh, and yeah, there there could still be that year of overlap. That that's what I'm questioning as to what the plan is there. You know, I, I guarantee, and this is what Sarkeesian told Quinn, and this is what he told Archie, and this is what he's telling his staff is, our plan is Quinn will be here for two years. Quinn will go to the NFL, and if he's not ready for the NFL, and if he wants to stay, we're telling him then and there that Archie is taking over, and Quinn's gonna have to transfer somewhere else. Um, but Archie will come in. He will sit for a year behind Quinn, and he will play. Now there is—I I can't think of his name—but there is another. Like I think he was a top five quarterback that yeah, they signed. Yeah, they have three of the top five of the last four years, or something like that. And I don't know what the fuck that guy's going to do unless he beats right. out Quinn or he beats out Archie. But with, with college football and the shape in it, it is in the day and age we're in right now, he's not staying. Nobody stays to fight for their job. The only person that does that is Sean Clifford, and that's because Sean Clifford's a fucking dumbass. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, he's either he he'll he'll stay and fight Quinn this year, and if Quinn beats him, he's leaving. Um, he might stay and sit for a year behind Quinn just to be like, hey, if he gets hurt, I'm gonna get some playing time. 
you know, on a pretty good team. I get, I get to go show teams what I, what I can do. And then when the season's over, I'll transfer and then I can, I can go to Oklahoma or I can go to, you know, any of these other schools and and transfer in and know that I can be the starting quarterback there and and not have to worry about Archie Manning coming in behind me. Yeah. I guess that's my, I guess that's my problem there is that like, say, say Quinn plays this season, does great, like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And in the off season, he tears his ACL and has to take the next season off. That was supposed to be his last year at Texas. He rehabs, and then the next season, like it is he just is it at that point like set in stone? Like he has to transfer, or or like are they going to fight it out? Like that's that's I guess my question, and especially with like you had said, with them having the other guy that's also top five recruit yeah. quarterback. He'll he'll do the tried and true. Sarkeesian could really run into he, he can fuck up three fucking top five quarterbacks. Oh, I mean, we've seen how many coaches do that. They sign all these great QBs, they bring them in, and then they lose, and they don't like it. Was it, I think it was Wisconsin. It was either Wisconsin or Nebraska a couple years ago. Had this high-profile QB, and he that's the exact, the exact same thing got happened. He got hurt, he rehabbed, and he came back, and he was like, all right, I want my starting job. They're like, well, this guy's pretty good. Uh, so you got to go fight him. And he lost and he said, well, fuck this. Then. And he transferred. Um, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. And I mean, it's, it's the story of Icarus all over again. He's going to fly too close to the sun. If he hasn't already, he's going to get burned sooner or later. And he's going to fuck up that entire program. And this is what happens every goddamn year at Texas. They'll go out. They'll have a really good year this year. They might win the big 12. They might make the college football playoff. And all hell is going to break loose over the off season. Because something dumb's gonna happen, an injury's gonna happen. Archie comes in and says, "You know what? I'm not gonna redshirt. I want to take over this team now while they're good, and I want to be the one that takes us through the, the, you know, national championship, whatever. And it's just gonna cause a bunch of shit. And their head coach can't handle it because he's a dumbass. And that entire program will get fucked up for another seven years, and it'll take another seven years to build them back just to get to go to this fucking sugar bowl." To play, uh, a, right? Because that's happening a lot now with these with these top recruits. They're graduating in December from high school, yeah. early enrolling in January, and and they're they're there for seven months at the school before the next season, so that they can start right away and not have to sit a season to get used to the offense and everything. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's, it's I, I said this last week when we, we we talked about Archie Manning signing, you know, agreeing to go to Texas, whatever. It's one thing to be a really good recruiter. And that's something that you need to be to be a top tier coach. But you still need to be a coach. You still need to learn how to handle all different personalities. You know, you're going to have those guys that want to come in and just work their ass off and just play football. And you're going to have guys that are going to come in and expect everything to be handed to them and not want to work for anything. But you can't do anything about it because they're God's gift to earth and the second coming of Jesus throwing the football. And you need to learn how to balance that. And Steve is not that guy. If you look at the way that you're not that guy, bud. Yeah. Um, you look at the way that Nick Saban has run that program at Alabama, and a lot of people give him hate. And listen, I get it. You're tired of seeing the same guy win over and over. He wins over and over because of what he can do with these young men. He can bring them in, he can mold them and get them to understand listen, you might be the best running back I've ever seen in my life. But I put X amount of faith in this guy. This guy has gone us to this point. I am trying to get him to the next step. And when he takes over, this mantle is yours. 
And then you can take this program to this step. And then the next guy's going to come in and take the program to the next step. And that's what Nick Saban does so well. And that's what Kirby Smart sat there for years and learned. And now he's doing it at Georgia. And Jimbo Fisher learned for a couple years and left. And now he's over at Florida State. Or sorry, he went to Florida State. Now he's at Texas A&M. But you're seeing him not be able to do the same thing. He brings in all this great talent, but he can't get them to get their heads out of their asses for five minutes to see, hey, I understand this is what you want, and I want to get you here, but I need you to stay in line, okay? Follow the chain of command, next man up mentality, whatever you want to call it. Um, Steve Sarkeesian was there for a year, and he's fucked off to Texas, and now he's signing all these great recruits. Sooner or later, it's going to come to a head, not just QBs. There's going to be a guy at the wide receiver position who is a prima donna. There's going to be a guy to running back. There's going to be a safety, so on, and he's not going to be able to control it all. And that's exactly why Texas will not get out of the cycle. Mac Brown was a really good coach at that. His recruiting prowess fell off because he wasn't keeping up at the times. And that was his biggest downfall. And that's why Texas fell down this pit. They had to fire him. They brought in Charlie Strong. And, and they just will not get out of the cycle now of needing somebody that can be a great recruiter. It's okay to be an A- minus recruiter but be a really good coach who can control personalities. They don't need an A-plus recruiter. Mario Cristobal, A-plus recruiter, B-minus coach. And that was Oregon's biggest downfall the last couple of years. It brought in all this high-tier talent. As soon as it got to crunch time, we fell apart because our, our coach wasn't an A-tier coach. And, and I'm anxious to see that with Lane Kiffin now because you had said about talking about people that had studied behind Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. He is now getting the big recruits, like you're saying about. So now it's kind of that put up or shut up uh, well, uh, situation. My, my thing with with Kiffin is, it yes, he learned behind Saban. I think he was there for maybe only a year. It might have been two tops. But he was, yeah, he was there a couple of years. Yeah. Um, he also has enough real world experience of crashing and burning in the college football system twice, and then the NFL as well of of what to do and what not to do. I think he understands the system he's playing against now and he's working it. I don't think Ole Miss will ever get to a national title contender just because of who's ahead of them right now. I might be wrong. He might be there in a couple of years, but his, his program as a whole needs to take another step, but he is definitely the coach to take Ole Miss to 10 win seasons, New Year's six playoff game or New Year's six bowls every year, things like that. Um, I put him at like, a B tier coach, a minus tier recruiter. And you see that reflected in his team. Uh, just my, my problem with Texas is just the same thing they're doing over and over. A plus recruiter can't coach to save his fucking life. And, and <laughs> that, that until Texas as a booster, as a university, whatever recognizes what's going on, they're never going to fix the true problem. And that's what you see with a lot of these schools. Dan Lanning has been an A-plus recruiter. I have yet to see him as a head coach. We saw him as a DC. That's where you're only in control of 11 guys on the field and, you know, however many guys you have as a defensive player on the roster. Um, and we'll, we'll have to see how that shakes out this fall. But uh, I think I wasted enough of 20 minutes. So, so I want to ask Nick a question real quick. So, yeah. Nick, you've been gone for a few weeks, two weeks now. So uh, big question that I have is Penn State football. Okay, mm-hmm. so Sean Clifford announced he's coming back for his sixth season. Yet Penn State two years ago, <laughs> Penn State two years ago had signed Drew Aller, which is one of the top ranked recruits at the quarterback position. Um, 
he did the exact situation as to what I was saying is he graduated in December. He's been at Penn State now this entire time. Um, my assumption was that he was going to be the guy to start here come this, this season. And uh, I, I think that my opinion is that I think that Penn State is going to go with Sean Clifford. But what are your thoughts in the situation and what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, so the first thing that I would tell you is if there's anything that I know about James Franklin minus the 1 and 0, everybody knows that. But one thing I know about James Franklin, he loves competition, um, especially in the offseason. Um, and I, while I don't think that, at, at least I haven't seen it this time, and I don't think that at this point, that he would come out and say, yes, Sean Clifford is our starting quarterback week one. Um, There's, as far as uh, Drew goes, um, you know, the general understanding is that he was going to sit this year anyway. Now, if Clifford hadn't came back, they uh, they probably would have let him at least compete. Um, But you have uh, Christian, I believe it's DeLow or DeLow or something like that. Um, he had played, I want to say, against Rutgers last season, and it was against Rutgers. The Rutgers defense wasn't that bad. Um, and he looked pretty damn good. He looked comfortable in the pocket. Um, and then you have uh, that came in with Drew, four-star um, Bo Pribilo, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Could be wrong. Um, so there's definitely talent in the quarterback room, and which is a good thing to have because if you look at, like, when Clifford got injured last season and our backup, shit the bed against Iowa with a 21 point lead. Um, you know, you want to have talent there, but I think the general understanding is that um, Drew was going to sit this year um, because you don't want to send um, a five-star recruit in necessarily too early. And I think Franklin has an understanding of that, that like, okay, our offensive line is still kind of shaky um, outside of Parker, Washington. We don't know what we have at wide out right now. Um, we did just get, I believe it was a four star that's coming in this year. Um, can't remember his name, but nonetheless um so as far as clifford goes um, i think that there's a decent chance that he might not be the starter um, like i said uh below looked comfortable when he played last season i think you at least got to give him a chance um, but at the same time like sean clifford looked good before the iowa game before he got injured and you know he, he was he wasn't lighting up for 500 passing yards and five touchdowns but he was doing what he what the team needed him to do um, on a team that didn't really have much run offense so you know I'm trying to be optimistic here but as far as the quarterback situation goes I think that Drew Alar sitting for one season um, isn't going to make or break him he wanted to come to Penn State and he understands especially if Clifford is the one starting for him to be able to sit there and, and watch a fucking eighth year senior um you know interceptions throw interceptions but you know play quarterback and learn from him hopefully learn not to throw the interceptions um (laughs) i think it's going to be beneficial for him i just am not a fan of him like i like trace mcsorley and mcsorley would he's not a winner to me trace mcsorley would throw the ball into the defender 20 yards away from his receiver also sometimes i just am not a fan of sean clifford it was it was the attitude like Watching Trace for was it four years? Um, oh, he's and then up. Turn, yeah, and then turn yeah, and then turn around and watching Clifford. Like Clifford could have balled out. He doesn't have the same kind of energy that Trace had. And like you look at Franklin, like Franklin has that same kind of energy too. So it definitely, 
I agree with you. I, I don't like the way that he fits in. Um, but the team rallies around him, so uh, I don't know. For, yeah, for me, uh, my, my biggest problem with Clifford is, like you said, the attitude. Like, he – it's almost like he doesn't give a shit about winning. Like, he's going to go out there, and if he's having a bad game, he you, he's like, fuck it, I'm having a bad game, whatever. Um, he does have a very profitable he, uh, online fitness app with his brother that I had found out about for last him. year. So, like, uh, I think that this dick play, in his mouth. But I'm saying that I, I think that, that could also play a factor in um, football not meaning everything for him, you know? But, him playing yeah. at Penn State got his name out there to where it is helping off the field for his he other just, endeavors. He just doesn't take command of the team. Like, you could yeah. put him in. Like, if you think back, um, the Michigan State game, they got themselves somehow within three points, and they put him out there. And all he had to do was take command of that offense and say, we're going to go down and score. But he went out there and he's like, all right, you got this and drop back. And you can see every single pay. He's like, fuck, don't, f-. you can see literally in his eyes. He's like, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. And what do you do when you tell yourself that you fuck it up? You fuck it up. Yeah. You know that. That's just a big, there, there's three. When Trace went out there, like, especially if it was a game-winning drive, like, you could see the intensity in his eyes. Yeah. You could see the, we're going to go down I, here and we're going to fucking yeah. do it. He's, yeah. he's, he's going to put the team on his back. If, if they lose, they lose. But he's going to go out there and give it his all. Clifford yeah. is out there. just He just looks scared. That, that's all it is. He just has zero command of that offense. And, and zero James Franklin looked just as scared because they did not want to put in the dude that played for them at, uh, against Iowa. Against when... Iowa. <laughs> well, that and... I mean, his he didn't want to put it in the hand of his of his kicker, but um, at the end of the day, if if it comes to, if they do have a competition this year, and like you said, Cliff or not Clifford, um, Franklin loves competition and all this other stuff. At the end of the day, James Franklin is not the smartest football coach out there. I mean, you no. think back. You th- I don't know if we have enough time on the episode for no. this. I mean, <laughs> If you think back, I always think of um, the year after Barkley left uh, when um, McSorley was still there, the whiteout game, they played Ohio State at home. And on fourth and one, he ran a QB draw around the outside. I think it was supposed to be an option, but you know McSorley's not pitching that. Unless somebody is like yeah. tackling him in the backfield. He's like, I'm trying to get this. Um, just an absolute stupid play call. And you, you see it time and time again with just his play call. Um, yeah. You know, you never think really twice about the way he's running the team per se. Um, and I don't, if, there, if it comes down to a competition, unless Aller or whoever else gets into this this competition um, below, or they have the guy coming in uh, from Central York, uh, I can't think of uh, his Pribble. name. Pribble, yeah. Um, but it, unless they are far and away better where you can't deny everything that you see yeah. and you need to start them over Clifford. I think Franklin's going to play favorites. I think he's going to make the wrong choice again. I mean, maybe he's coming and saying, listen, you guys are freshmen. You're going to sit, um, you know, for a year behind Clifford. If no, if ands or buts about it. Okay. Got it coach. No problem. But if they have the competition and if they blow Clifford out of the water, yeah, that's one thing. But if it's close, He's going to be like, oh, well, let's go Clifford. And I don't necessarily hate that either, but you have to be responsible about it. So if you say, you know what, no competition, 
Clifford, you have been our starting quarterback. You were the most experienced. You were the one that I feel like you give us the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. If yeah. you say no competition, I'm cool with that. But if it comes week three, week four, and instead of seeing the pre-Iowa, pre-injury Clifford we see, we see the same old Sean Clifford that we've seen at the end of last season. On the ground. Before, on the ground, um, throwing all kinds of dumb interceptions, making dumb plays, then, then you have to know that your second quarterback is there and you have to be confident in him. Because week, week three, if, if that's, like you said, if that's how he decides to go, either no competition or if there's a competition and he says Clifford is our guy, whatever. Week three, I think, week two or week three, you're walking into Auburn. I mean, yeah. granted, he played at Ohio State last year, but you can – I know you guys are going to make excuses. He, was, he wasn't 100% right then, um, you know, whatever it may be. If he's not healthy week two – walking in the Auburn and he walks in there that that is his moment to put up or shut up either this is going to be my team this year and I am I'm taking us to wherever this team yeah. goes whether it be you know the Big Ten East title a Big Ten title uh you know or a New Year's whatever it may be if he walks in there and completely shits the bed there is no if ands or buts that he should be taken out because yeah. if you're healthy you had your shot and you you can't do it against a subpar SEC team now, that, I mean, Auburn is somehow really good at home, no matter who they play. But, um, th- like, that, that is your opportunity. You're 100% healthy. You can't use that as an excuse unless you got hurt week one, which if, if you're getting hurt week one, unless it's, like, a dirty hit or just a freak accident, you shouldn't be playing quarterback because, you know, you need to be healthy all Well, 12. Penn State's week one. He'll only play three quarters. Well, I mean, but, maybe. <laughs> but But, I mean, it, the problem is, is that, that I have is that, Okay, so COVID threw, threw a big problem into the, the fact of the recruiting that they had already made promises to some of these guys. Uh, let's say they told Drew Aller, like, look, you're going to start uh, year 2023 yeah. or 2022, whatever the deal is that they say. Like, Clifford wouldn't have, at the time that they draft, at the time that they signed him, Clifford didn't have the opportunity for a sixth year or what, what is now his actual eighth year. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so uh, I, I think that the hard part is that let's say injury-prone Clifford gets hurt mid-October. Now you're going to throw one of these guys in that hasn't seen the fucking field. It's 30 degrees outside. Uh, well, like November probably. Um, it's like 30-some degrees outside, and it's like the third quarter. Like now this dude, now if this guy starts throwing doinks, it just validates their reason for keeping Clifford in the rest of the season once he's healthy, you know? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm just saying if it's, if it's 50, if I'm – the head coach of Penn State right now, and it's 50-50 between Clifford and Alar. We'll just, we'll just use the, the, the big number one recruit they got, whatever. Um, I personally would probably, just knowing what Clifford brings to the table, and I hate people, coaches that do, okay, we're just going to, you know, split quarterback reps first couple games, you know, Clifford gets to drive oh, out. Yeah. It, that is the dumbest shit no to ever conference. exist. No. Um, and you, you – it gets you nothing because your quarterback goes out there and gets zero rhythm. And the second they do, you're taking them back out. But yeah. if for me, if it's 50-50, I would probably take Alar just because I, like I said, I know what Clifford brings to the table. I don't know what Alar is going to, you know, go out there and do. And you know, a th- thirty seconds left, we're down by four to Ohio State, and we just got the ball on the the six or the our own forty yard line. I know what Clifford's most likely going to do. He's going to go out there make a, a play or two, and then throw a pick. Yeah. Whereas I don't know what Aller is going to do. Um, that's probably why, I would, like I said, unless it's 
if it's, but you know, at the end of the day, Franklin's going to do what he's going to do. Um, real quick. My, back- my biggest fear is that with Clifford saying that he's coming back for this year, that it almost creates a sense of like, like that we owe him. Like right. we have to let him start. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. Um, and then just real quick back to their schedule. Um, week one, they play at Purdue. Um, so scratch waiting until week three or uh, yeah, yeah, they play Auburn week three. Week one is it, be over week one. If you week one, it is time for you to put up or shut up because West Lafayette yeah. is not an easy ask Ohio State, who was undefeated two years ago or three, excuse me, three years ago. They walked into West Lafayette thinking they had the game one and uh, more. I can't think of his first name, but more mm. fucking torched them all over the field yeah. and, you know, blew them out. Um, so. That is, I mean, if you pick Clifford now, week one, you you get to make your bed, you have to sleep in it. Yeah. Now, if it's if it's going horribly, yeah, you can go pull him at halftime and, and throw Ilar in there, or you know any of the other whoever, yeah, yeah, QBs in there. Um, but yeah, you're gonna learn very quickly whether Clifford is 100% healthy if he's ready to put up or shut up this year. Or I mean, again, he needs to be named the starting QB for this year. I mean that'll that'll change the whole conversation if we're talking week one and it's you know any other QB they got named. It's like, okay, yeah. are they ready? Because that that's yeah. as as much hate as we're giving Clifford, at the same time, if you put a freshman in there, is he ready for this moment? Is he ready to yeah. take this team who doesn't I mean, we don't know about the running attack this year. Um, how how I mean, we hoped it's improved. That was our biggest drawback last year. That team probably could have won two more games if they could run the goddamn football. Um yeah. but the if you, I mean, we're, we're going to be sitting here week one, if they name anybody else going, are they, are they ready to do this? You know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I don't envy the, the situation uh, Franklin's in. Uh, it's just, like I said, just, and if it's like they had anybody else, like a more established backup or something, you could be like, okay, Hey, let's give this guy a shot. Whatever. You can make a, a bigger argument. Um, but at that point it just becomes, you know, is, is a freshman ready to go do this? Yeah. I mean, if we want just real quick, I know we're, spending forever on this if like we're talking my personal opinion um i want i want to see christian below play i want to see him start because he came in like i said 99 percent sure it was a Rutgers. um i know it was a decent defense not necessarily top tier or anything but and he balled out and looked great and i'm sitting there thinking this dude is in his first college game ever and looked like three times the quarterback sean clifford did who's played for how many I mean it took him a while honestly I mean but I mean yeah warmed up but um and I mean I think overall as a team they expected Illinois to be more of a cakewalk I mean I think up to that point Illinois had two wins and like oh this is easy you know yeah we we, you know below gets to go in there and and get his feet wet and you know get mentally ready and like I said they had zero running game it now didn't help their defensive coordinator was a complete dipshit um that's really the reason they lost that game is Illinois did one thing for four quarters and nine overtimes and you yeah. couldn't stop it. And that's why you were in the situation that you were in. If you could have got a couple more now, granted, yeah, they were making stops, but after Illinois took 10 minutes off the clock, every position they had, um, you get a couple more stops earlier in those drives. Guess what? Your offense can go out there. They can get a more established rhythm. They can get their, their feet under them. And that game isn't close. That that's the yeah. biggest thing. All right, boys. From now on, we should just do college start, football episodes. We're gonna have to do three-hour podcasts for the college football yeah. season. But um, we're, just, we're just doing golf and college football from now on. There we go. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into our top five of the week here quick, and then we'll wrap things up. 
Uh, this week, Nick's back. It was his turn. He picked Gatorade flavors. Really good topic. Um, Nick, you want to start yep. it out? What are your top yeah, five? Yeah, I'm busting them off straight. Pause. Straight off the, or the top of my head. All right, so number five, I got busting orange. Busting them off his balls. Yeah, busting them off. Uh, number five, I got orange. Um, it's a good flavor. It's nice and refreshing. Uh, four, lemon lime. I think it's more the nostalgia. It brings me back to, like, Saturday morning soccer games. Um, number three, I want to see the Glacier Freeze, I think, the light blue one. Um, number two, hold on, I just lost my train of thought what my number two was. Oh, the Glacier Cherry, the white one. And number one is the Strawberry Watermelon. I fuck with Strawberry Watermelon everything. So, George, uh, what's your top five? five? First of all, you're a fucking narc for listing the actual flavors. Uh, oh, sorry. Every, well, every, there, everybody there, knows you like, call them by the colors. Okay, but there's like two white flavors, so I just want to like I wanted to make sure there's that. there's only one good one. You just say the white one, and everybody knows you're talking glacier cherry. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, my top five. Uh, I've red. It was between red and orange for uh, my fifth spot. Um, normally, I, I just go for red more often than the orange, uh, especially if they get warm. I can still tolerate the red, but the orange just tastes weird when it gets warm. Uh, number four, I have the dark blue one. Uh, I believe it's called. Cool blue is like the actual name for it. Uh, I just grabbed the dark blue one. Um, or no, sorry, blue cherry, something cherry. I think it is actually. Um, blue, so that's blue cherry is the other dark blue one. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it is. It's uh, blue cherry. Sorry. Uh, number three, um, light blue. The the glacier freeze, like you said. Uh, just real quick, a quick tangent. Um, all of these are the frost flavors or the um. Not not the ice that's like cut with water and all this other that shit yeah. tastes disgusting. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, number two, uh, the lime green, uh, lemon lime. Uh, like you said, nostalgia. If I go into any gas station, I know that flavor will be there. I will just grab that. You go into a vending machine, that flavor will be there. I will grab that. Uh, number one is the white or the white cherry. Um, I think that's the god tier flavor. Um, that is by far my favorite to get. Um, I love, I used to do it all the time as a kid. Um, you stick it in the freezer for just long enough that it doesn't get 100% frozen. It just slushies. And then you just, I cut the top off of it and I eat that. Um, that is the best way to do Gatorade. Um, I love That's the shit out of that. Yeah, See, I would have I put that one as my number one. I think I had mm -hmm. it for you, right? Um, but the only reason I had it lower was because like I like that one so much that um, especially obviously when I was in high school and actually did play sports, like I would do summer league for football or right. for basketball and I'd be sweating my ass off in a gym and I'd come out and be like, just fucking chugging because I'm thirsty. And then I'm like, man, this tastes good. So I chug more and next thing you know, I'm back out there and I'm like struggling to run around. Yeah. So fair enough. I mean, yeah, yeah you, you're, you're, I mean, at least it was on your top five. If you didn't have it in your top five, I think it would have been a little Oh point, no, so. it had to be on the yeah. top five. Yeah. It, easily my, my favorite flavor but we list the top five, like, we now, try to keep it. if Slade says that lime cucumber shit, I will kick him off this goddamn podcast. I was, I was going to put it on the list just to fuck with you guys. I, I wrote mine on the it. list to piss you off because... Oh, I didn't even see it. Uh, so so I, I put the actual, like, flavor names because of course you did. it was going to piss George off. Yeah. So I, I put lemon lime, which is the yellow. I okay. put fruit punch, which is red. Okay. Orange for number three because... Orange is the color and the flavor. Um, Very basic flavor so far, but that's okay. Two, I have Glacier Freeze, which is the light blue. Okay. And then number one, best of all time, Glacier Cherry White. Look, the three of us fucking agreeing yeah. on something for once. Uh, 
again. Oh my God. That's all three of us just had solid top fives with gay rage flavors. I was thinking about it too. And I'm go like, with the carnival food the... too. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. No, no, it was it wasn't no. Was it carnival or was it like tailgate? No, it was the um the ballpark food. That's what it was, yeah. Next week we're doing carnival food. All right. Na- now Slade's got me hyped for funnel cakes. <laughs> yeah. But uh that'll do our uh very long episode. I think we're I think we're gonna break this up into two parts. Um just cut out the nasty part. About us. Yeah, true. No, we're just gonna make two parts. I mean more 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 videos, more views, right? Yeah, that's how it works. Two uh, week. But uh, week we will be back one week. next week. I mean, we might as well just talk golf and college football next week. Um, but other than that, uh, thank you guys for checking us out. Happy to have Nick back, uh, the two-time back-to-back baby daddy champion. Um, he, uh, I was going to say something about pulling out, but I'm too stupid to think of something on the fly. Anyway, <laughs> uh, go follow our social medias, uh, subscribe to our YouTube, and we will see you guys next week right back here uh, for another episode of the jack wagon sports podcast on the jack wagon network bye everybody see ya